Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise, and I am joined this week again by TJ Kitt, Principal Analyst on the Customer Experience Team here at Forrester. So this week is part two of the conversation that we began last week into this new customer segment or customer group called the Devotees. And last week, if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend you do. We looked at, you know, who is this new valuable customer segment? What is the business case for focusing on this group when you're making CX improvement efforts? And this week, we're going to dive into the, you know, what you can do next. So how can you find the devotees that your company has and then use insights into this audience to identify and improve your CX efforts? So I know you've made the case to me at least today that it's really important to understand who this audience is for a multitude of reasons. For those who are listening, who are interested in sort of figuring out who their devotees are, what do you suggest they do? Sort of how do they get started with thinking about this new type of customer segment um, and how to learn who they are, learn about them, learn how to interact with them, whatever that next step may be? Yeah, so there's there's probably two ways you can you can tackle this. One, you can work backward from you. Two, you can work backward from your customers. So the working backward from you part of it is probably the more difficult approach because it actually requires you to understand what it is that your company does for somebody. And and that's that's the most difficult thing to do. Yeah, it it, it sounds funny, but actually, I mean, it's it's true. You know, when I when I first joined the customer experience team, I had spent you know most of my career. And working with tech vendors. And so I would, I went out and asked a bunch of them, you know, the, the people I used to kind of interact with a lot, you know, what is it their product did for their customers? And, you know, almost to a man, you know, they, they all began to describe the features of their product, you know, because that was how they conceived the value that they delivered was just kind of in the functions of the thing. So, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of product people, a lot of product marketers, you know, even the ones that are focused on solution selling, you know, don't have a lot of clarity on what exactly it is that someone does with the thing that they make that allows for them to, you know, kind of um, create loyalty. So when I, when I think about kind of working backward from you, it's, you kind of have to have clarity of purpose. So, you know, when I look at like a company like Volvo, um, Volvo, I should say, they have, they have clarity of purpose, right? You know, so their purpose is create the most safe driving machines on the road. I mean, that's basically how they position themselves in the market. And that's, you know, the, the sort of way in which they position themselves. I mean, they even have commitments on their website to things like no one should be seriously injured or killed in a new Volvo in, in 2020. All right. So, you know, there's, there are going to be people who that really appeals to, right? You know, so if you're, you're already kind of zeroing in on a part of the market that says that the paramount concern when buying a car is safety. And so, you know, if you, if you, Work backward from that, and you understand that you know kind of what we're doing for our customers is creating safe driving or safe communicator, safe transportation. You know, then you can figure out, all right, so who is smack dab in the center of that, and then who are the people who are adjacent to that? Who it then becomes part of the consideration set. Like in the middle, I'm really into safety. I really want the car to be safe, and then in those circles outside of that are people who that is of importance, but not of the utmost importance. And so that's how you can build that concept that way. All right. So that's that's kind of building it from you. But again, like you have to have clarity and mission. And it's a lot of it's really hard for a lot of companies to kind of come to that because their mission isn't necessarily as clear as Volvo's. So if you're working backward from your customer, it's then kind of you know trying to auger in on you know those things that are 
indications of true blind loyalty as, as Emily describes them. So it's the things that we were talking about. All right. So who, who in our customer base is, you know, and I guess, I guess part of this is before you even ask those questions, is like how good your data is on your customers. Um, you know, because if you're, if you're, if your data on your customers isn't you know terribly good, then it's going to make all of this, everything I say after this, difficult. If, <laughs> wow. Make sure you have the good data, the right data. Right. right. Uh, and, and I mean, again, you know, as someone who, who covers um, customer experience consulting practices, uh, that's no small thing, right? You know, so that you know, you can you if you want to go into the consulting business and make a lot of money, you can make a lot of money just trying to help people figure out how to orchestrate data analysis based on disjointed data sets. Like that is, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, bad information, you know, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of information in general that hasn't been properly corralled. So step one, which we can't go into this podcast is like, have your data house in order, but let's assume that you have your data house in order. Well, then what you're going to start doing is you're going to start looking for, you know, those customers mm-hmm. who's, you know, who exhibit kind of those extreme behaviors, you know, so, now, if you, you've got one person, you've got a person in this zip code, but you know you find that that they're giving out their membership card, for example, at you know places that are 20, 30, 40, 50 miles away from their home. All right, so why is that person still doing commerce with us so far from home? Are they going out of their way to do that? You know, we have a colleague, you know, who, who famously tells a story about her love affair with the grocery store and how she was in grad school. She would do these uh, two hour round trips to go to, the, to that one particular grocery store and take people with her. Um, you know, that's, that's extreme behavior. You, you want to look for those people who are, you know, kind of you know, regularly paying premiums for things. You know, so if you're, you know, if you've got some nascent parts of your, your program that, you know, kind of filter people into, you know, higher tiers. All right. So why are they there? What are they doing? And how does that behavior then overlap with other extreme behaviors such as, you know, inconveniencing themselves. Are they, you know, particularly enthusiastic or like abnormally enthusiastic about the experience that they're getting? You know, the other thing that I, I neglected to mention is that the devotees, you know, kind of on average post extremely high customer experience index scores. You know, so, you know, the, the, the company averages usually fall somewhere in you know, between you know, the high 50s and the low 80s. And these people are, are routinely in the 90s. You know, so that's, that's extremely high on our scale. So are there people that are extremely high on the, um, you know, whatever scales you're looking at for, you know, kind of peak in metrics to talk about the relationships that you're having with your customers? You know, are these individuals, generally speaking, you know, being retained at higher rates than other customers, you know, perhaps in their demographic or, you know, in their area? And then, you know, you know are these people, you know, routinely with the every refresh of the relationship buying more? You know, so it's, it's stuff like that that you begin to try to zero in on, you know, in terms of. You know, what the customer is reporting through their behavior and you know through their their assertions, but you know it's going to be difficult to do this sort of work if you don't have you know, a good handle on the data. So you know when I position this as like working from yourself backward as being more difficult than working from your customer backward, I should have said well they they could equally be backward. They could equally be hard if um, the conditions that we have described are not met in terms of the quality of the data that you're working with. Right. Yeah. But it isn't insurmountable, right? Um, yeah. Right. So if you have this data or if you want to try to figure out who your devotees are to be able to sort of prioritize your CX improvements, there are ways to find these signals. I actually love that example, right? These signals of inconvenience and these behaviors that sort of define the segment, right? Is someone traveling really far? Um, did someone pay to extend right, their uh, status on the airline? 
right? Sort of who is showing signals that they are going out of their way to maintain this relationship. Right. Um, or even at a more sort of basic CX level, how are your CX scores, right? Who scored you really high? Let's figure out why. Maybe do some user research, understand what their sort of value set is. And I'd also imagine that your you know, loyalty program could share a lot of insights too, right? Sort of who falls into that top tier of the loyalty program. That could be a, a shortcut into finding some of this audience too. Yeah. Although, I mean, I guess I, the thing I would be careful about with loyalty programs is some loyalty programs, especially if you're talking about airline programs, are focused on volume. And volume, there are a lot of things that could, that could increase volume. Yeah, if you live in St. Louis, for example, your airline choices are limited. So if you are a frequent flyer of any sort, there's a good chance that you are being funneled you know, to one of a handful of airlines in order to you know, get anywhere. So yeah, but beyond choice. So that's not a signal of choice necessarily. Exactly. That's a that's a signal of necessity. Um, mm-hmm. which which can be useful to understand because that then show because understanding what is done out of necessity versus what is done out of choice, then it helps you understand, you know, where there are weak points in the relationship. So you know to the again, if you're talking about the moat, if I think I have a moat from an airline and I think I have a moat around a specific kind of customer because of structural benefits, then what I should recognize is that any disruptive element in the environment could create a simple way for people to get over the moat. You know, so we, I think what would be interesting coming out of this, uh, this global pandemic is to see, you know, what that actually meant, you know, for airlines and because people stop traveling and they'll start traveling again. And a lot of airlines are going to have to have restructured and moved away from some core value propositions. So if your value proposition, for example, was that we're cheap, well, that's not much of a value proposition because you can't be cheap if there are fewer flights. You're going to have to raise prices. And so if I start, if I was cheap, but I also delivered a really bad customer experience, but I was overcoming that because I was cheap, well, now my prices are in line with somebody who also is a low-cost carrier, relatively speaking but provides a better experience. So I've exacerbated the issues that were you know, kind of undermining the structure of the moat that I thought I built around people because I am taking away the one thing that was actually keeping people you know, kind of pinned in. And so, there, so it's, it's things like that you kind of have to consider about you know, how, how you pursue you know, both your understanding of your customers and your understanding of the value that you deliver to them you know, relative to kind of what it is that you, you would hope and you know, dream is being the value and the nature of the relationship. Right. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I'm glad that, that this came up. <laughs> we sort of talked about the loyalty program because I think it might be easy for some to sort of hear the segment and say, oh, they're just super loyal, right? Or this is just my loyalty program. Right. But it really is sort of thinking about why they are loyal, right? And the drivers behind their behaviors, which are not going to just be, well, you're the only airline here, right? right? It's going to person who takes three f- flights to and from New York just to make sure that they get um, that top tier status on an airline, right? And inconvenience themselves just because they love that airline so much. To your point, I mean, that's, I'm a perfect example. Like if, if you really want to understand what airline that I'm truly loyal to out of like genuine like, then you would, un- then you would look at the number of red eyes I've, I've taken on this, on this airline because red eyes 
are completely avoidable. <laughs> right. Totally. I did it too when traveling yeah. for work all the time. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're avoidable, but they're only avoidable if the routes are available. So you can be completely mercenary about it. And you can say like, I'm just going to take whatever flight avoids the red eye. Or you can say, I am dedicated to being on this airline. <laughs> and so I will take the red eye. Uh, but I just kind of you know, maybe put a kind of a, point, a fine point on this. I mean, the, the point about you know, kind of conflating volume on an airline with, you know, being devoted to the airline is important you know, because what we found in, 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 in this work is that if we keep using the airline example, if you kind of strip away, you know, the notion of being in the program and look at the behaviors that would get somebody in the program. So what we did was we looked at people who take 11 or more flights a year and the majority of those flights are on one airline. So 70% or more. When we look at that, that's, that would be the behaviors that would get you into like the bottom tier of a loyalty program for a lot of airlines. And when we kind of examine that versus those who then kind of who filtered into the devotee category, what we found was that of the people who fit that bill, only 40% were devotees. So what that showed was airlines, and this is, you know, this is part of why we you know beat up on airlines in this, in, in this conversation, but why it, everyone should kind of take note of this is that airlines assumed that you know volume denotes devotion and that by continuously rewarding only those who produce the most volume that's a good thing for their business and what this shows is there are a lot of people who generate a lot of volume who don't actually exhibit the behaviors of being devoted it's mercenary it's transactional it just so happens that they fly a lot i guess i compare this to like a a first date like every flight you take with an airline you haven't flown with before is a first date. It's an opportunity, right? Like you're making your best pitch. And for many airlines, unfortunately, they have treated that first date as if it's just like, whatever, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to be here, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe this will work out. Maybe it won't. Mm -hmm. If it does great. If it doesn't. Okay. Um, yeah. Too indifferent, then, too indifferent in the approach. Right. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's completely indifferent. And so you, you, you can have an individual who could be a really good customer for you because they fly a lot. But when they gave you the opportunity, because you have, and this goes back to my point about a minimum experience, the minimum experience for everybody who's not your best and, and highest volume flyer is so relatively poor that they're, that they're saying to themselves, why would I invest this time and this energy and getting on the hamster wheel to become one of your best flyers? Why would I do that to myself? And so that's, I mean, that's, this is, you know, how the, all these things begin mm -hmm. to fall together. It's. You know, we have to understand what we do for our customers. We have to understand, you know, what the basic level of that is for our customers so that we can keep other people in the fold. Maybe not to the level that we keep their devotees, but that they're also in the mix. So if circumstances change, if new offerings become available, they may move closer to being devotees. But I can't get them in that position if the first date is really bad. And so, and so that, that's kind of the, you know, the, the thing that we, I would stress here with the, the conversation around loyalty programs is that a loyalty mm -hmm. program is built on the idea that, you know, we're going to get you to a place where there's going to be a lot of upside. But if I have to, if the death march to get, if it's a death march to get there, then who wants to really undertake that unless they are forced to by circumstance? I love that example. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of all these ways we could expand on it, right? It's like... 
there's indifference in the approach, then you have to convince them to like you, and then you have to continue this relationship, <laughs> show them it's going to be worth it, but maybe in uh, future research. TJ, thanks so much for joining to talk about the devotees, devotees, however people want to pronounce it again. Um, listeners, if you're interested to learn more about the devotees and want to see the research that this episode and last week's episode were based on, please check out the notes where we include a link to the report, which is titled Delight the Right Customers to Build a Successful Business. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next week. 